Hello, everyone. This is the Connected Family Podcast, episode number 16. This podcast is produced by Connections Family Counseling, LLC, a group counseling practice located in Quincy, Illinois, that helps build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. My name is Mark Vanderlei, and I'm your host. Today's episode is all about what to do when your buttons get pushed. Just a few notes about this episode. My, gu- my guest is Michelle Robison. Uh, we're having another one of our discussions and adventures in overthinking it. We did have a few audio quality issues, and so you may find the conversation just a bit disjointed because I had to cut a few points out when there was some long breaks in the recording due to internet issues. Even though that occurred, I think the discussion is still valuable, and I hope that you'll stick with us as we talk about what to do when your buttons get pushed. Okay, welcome back to the Connected Family Podcast. It's Michelle Robison and myself, Mark Vanderlei. Again, we're uh, once again engaging in uh, our Adventures in Overthinking It series, just really getting together as a couple of therapists and siblings and thinking through some of the topics that we've encountered not only as parents, um, but also practitioners in the field, and hopefully buttons get pushed. What does that look like, and what might be some solutions What's ha- up to what is happening in those situations? So are there any thoughts that right, right away jump to your mind, Michelle, as we talk about buttons and What's going yeah. on, parents? Well, one of the first things that comes to mind is um, is a mantra that we use at a at a residential treatment program that I worked at. Um, if you don't work your issues, the kids will work them for you, and so that is you know the big, huge aha moment that everyone should really be aware of is that one you have buttons, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. that when you're um, getting upset, um, in a way that's not really matching, um, perhaps what is being said or what is being done. Um, and you're finding yourself, um, riled up. Um, that means that you've had your button pushed. And so being aware of that, um, acknowledging that, and then, um, and then, uh, doing something about that is, um, kind of what this is all about, because if you're not in the present about the fact that your buttons are being pushed, you're just going to continue to do it all over the place. And you're really not going to have any rational thought about what's going on. You're probably going to be blaming the child or you're blaming your kid or, you know, I don't, I just can't understand, or even your spouse. I can't understand why they're doing this to me as opposed to recognizing that some internal process is potentially going on with you as a result of your own history, your own experiences, um, fears and anxieties. Yeah. So that's what, that's what's what I'm thinking about. So certainly really being aware of what the buttons are. I remember when I, early on in my career and I did a lot of family counseling with adolescents, families all in the same room, I'd actually do an activity with parents and, and their adolescent. And I cut out little circle pieces of paper and, Hey, these are our buttons. Everybody identify your buttons or, uh, identify the buttons of your family members. What's the button that of your parents. And we would talk really openly about it. And sometimes the teenagers were like, Oh yeah, I know mom and dad's buttons. And, um, sometimes, Um, I push them. I struggle with that a little bit now, moving a little bit further into my career. And even as a a parent myself, 
to think, okay, even if we use that mantra that you talk about, if you don't work your issues, the kids will work them for you. It might imply a little bit that the kids are doing it on purpose Mm. or purposely are identifying those buttons. And even that exercise that I did sometimes, you know, you could get the impression that people are doing that on purpose. Maybe sometimes we are, or kids are, or other people are, but I think a lot of times we're not purposely or our kids are not intending to push our buttons. It sort of happens. Right. No, I think that is a very good reflection. I think that is very, very true. Um, it does imply that they're doing it on purpose. So, you know, I think that it's another way of putting it is, is that you're, you're dancing, you're in a dance, you're taking steps with them and, you know, certain times they might accidentally step on your feet. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, once they find out that that particular thing bothers you and they get a really strong reaction, they may or may not continue to do it. You know, d- it just depends on what your dance is, is like um, and, and what's going on in your, in, you know, what, what's going on in that dance cycle. And so I think sometimes kids are like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't mean to. Sometimes kids, you know, will be like, hey, I'm getting attention or, hey, you know, I'm finding out a way to get mom to stop, you know, um, talking about this certain thing. So I think it, again, takes the parent's own opportunity or own ability to step back and reflect on that and say, what is really going on here with me? Why am I? Why am I getting so upset about this thing? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, when working with people in a clinical setting, that's when we would say to parents, okay, that's when you need to maybe go and do your own work, you know, do your own therapy. Um, if you're trying to work on issues, you know, with your child, um, and they're, they're maybe the identifier lying and, <laughs> or are just not self-aware. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I, I believe that there was a time, you know, in probably each of our careers as, as brand new therapists, you know, thinking, oh, we had a great family. You know, there was no problems in our family system. We were the Brady Bunch. And yeah. <laughs> and and then it's like, oh, no, you know, there's still as little things, you know, that come up as, as parents that we have to look at. And um, it's not easy to 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 change that cycle. And so I do think people need some help with that sometimes. Yeah. You know, one to recognize it, mm-hmm. two to deal with whatever that particular situation is, you know. So how do I how do I manage that? Yeah. And then how do I change the dance with my kid? Yeah. So I love how you refer to it as the dance because Susan Johnson and her model of couples therapy called mm-hmm. emotion focused couples therapy, which is based in attachment theory calls calls it the dance and then there's another group of folks from the smalley marriage institute which may not which is kind of um a focus on the family type of a place they talk about the fear dance and really they're really similar concepts but basically what you were saying and what these frameworks talk about is that one person's button gets pushed or or fear in in one of the models gets pushed And so then they have these really big feelings and these emotions that come up related to that. Those emotions uh, or the person does their best, whatever it is that they do, their best job possible at managing those emotions. And usually usually it could be characterized as some sort of coping strategy. It might be distancing oneself. It might be blowing up. It might be um, 
criticism or any any type of behavior. But basically, that's their attempt to manage all those really, really powerful emotions that come up. And then the interesting part, which creates the dance, is that the way that one of the people in the dyad copes with their powerful feelings tends to push the button of the other person in the dyad. So then I'm even thinking about if it's a parent-child situation, the parents just coping with all these strong feelings that come up for them in the context of whatever, you know, happened between them and their child, they're coping. Maybe it is to distance themselves, to take some time away or shut down. And that pushes the button of maybe I feel abandoned or I feel alone or I feel I, I had the word come to mind of shame. Yeah. I wonder if a lot of parents or, or a lot of partners or a lot of um, children in response to that big emotional button getting pushed go into shame mode. And so then they're responding with they're trying to figure out how to deal with their own shame, which is usually some sort of coping strategy or behavior. And then it, that pushes the parents button again, and it becomes this dance, this cyclical sort of round and round and round you go um, type of an experience. Is that is, have you found that? Oh yeah. Well, and another another um, person who talks about the dance because um, that dance is not necessarily something I've made up. It's definitely right. something from you know the work that I've done is Harriet Lerner's work. Um, she talks about the dance of anger and, um, she has another book called the dance of intimacy. Um, and, and what that, what that book talks about is, um, I thought I put it on do not disturb. (laughs) Um, That's okay. Um, what that book talks about is, um, being able to have, um, in the, in the relationship, um, a function, an over-functioner and an under-functioner. And so that's also that dance, right? So one person's over-functioning, um, maybe as a result of another partner under-functioning and the more the one partner over-functions, the more the other partner under-functions. And so to address that, the overfunctioner has to stop overfunctioning and the underfunctioner has to start functioning higher so that we get more of a balance. Oh, and wow. so, you know, that is something to me early on in my career as I learned about that, that made sense, you know? And so even in, you know, in working with kids, I think about when I see this dynamic happening where a parent, for example, might be really concerned about a child's grades, you know, and so as long as that parent is more concerned about the child's grades than the child, mm-hmm. there's going to be this dance going on where the parent's going to be over-functioning, trying to make sure that everything is gone, everything is taken care of, maybe even going to as far as doing the homework for them. I mean, we kind of see this in the news right now, you yeah. know, where we have the these parents who don't trust their children to be able to get into the schools that they need to get into, to be able to have this career and success that they want. So they go to the extreme of buying, you know, their place or changing their SAT. We're in these children that are under functioning. And what's the, what's the message in that? The message in that is that you don't trust me to do a good job. Yeah. You don't trust me to be good enough. Yeah. And so then that just sets them down that path of, of continuing to under function. Yeah. Um, That's the same thought I had thinking about the college entrance, that controversy yeah. is just like, Oh my goodness, those poor children, the implied message sent when you buy your kid's spot in college is you can't do it. So I have to do it for you. And I think about, 
I mean, even how I wonder, you know, we have no idea, but how early on those messages sometimes get sent when our buttons get pushed as parents. And I think about stories of like when, you know, on the playground and climbing the ladder up to the top of the slide when the kid's like two or three and how our fears get pushed sometimes of, oh, I want to keep them safe. What if they fall down? You know, and, and so that safety fear can really be a big one. So then we we don't let them climb the ladder to the slide out of fear of them falling and getting hurt. But the implied message sometimes is, oh, you're not strong enough. You can't do it. Whereas if we can let them take that risk, um, put themselves out there in that small way, even as a toddler learning to climb um, the the ladder and be there to keep them safe. Maybe I called it spotting with my own kids where they'd be climbing the ladder and I would sort of spot them like someone would a rock climber. So if they fall, I can keep them from getting you know, injured. But they yet experience the challenge of climbing the ladder, which is just a little bit beyond what they're capable of, which is what helps them to develop. And so I, I kind of have to wonder in those situations with this college you know, controversy thing is when did that start and how early on did it begin that there was the parent doing it for them or push, you know, not letting them experience the challenge. The bummer I think for the kids of what they miss out on is the wonderful experience of have, of experiencing themselves as capable, competent, strong, um, and able to do it. And we rob our kids of that if we don't let them have those experiences. And so I had two thoughts that came into mind when you were talking about that one is the one is the story of when I first saw you letting your kids climb the trees. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, I remember running over to the tree because the kids were in the trees and they were little and they weren't big trees. These are just little trees. And I remember running over to the trees and I'm like, Oh, you know, kind of like, Oh, you're going to be okay. And Alice and your wife saying, Oh, they're fine. They're fine. And I remember taking a step back from that and being like, huh, I wonder why I have a hard time letting them climb the trees and she doesn't have a hard time letting them climb the trees. That's interesting. So I remember just having a whole reflection on that and being like, yeah, they can climb the trees. That's fine. But something about my own history probably was more rooted in, oh, climbing trees isn't safe. You know, somebody might fall. Not that I did fall or knew anybody who fall. We never climbed trees because that wasn't necessarily safe. So I think it's, being able to have some of those moments where you kind of stop and process that. Like, it's like, okay, so when, when has that happened in my life that I might have overshadowed my kids because of my own fear, Mm. my own anxiety, my own need to control. Um, And I think you've hit the nail on the head when you talk about that, this goes way back, Mm. you know, based on our own experiences, the way that we were parented, um, the way we weren't parented, yeah. you know, so for people who weren't parented in a way that was safe, perhaps they overfunction in that regard because they want to make sure that that stuff never happens to their child. Um, and then they, you know, end up having children who, you know, contribute to some of the problems or blow ups that I might have, you know, with yeah. my, with, with, with that person. Yeah. So I love the reflective process that you describe in that. Mm-hmm. So that you were saying, oh, I, I stood back just a tad and I thought about the thought about this. And I was like, huh, you know, so the reflective idea that parents, if we can take a moment and step back just a bit from the situation, 
possibly right then in that moment. doesn't always work out that way, but ideally if we could right, right. in that moment reflect, why am, what's going on here for me? What am I doing? Um, and then that helps us to be able to be um, flexible, make an adjustment, um, change what we are sort of our snap judgment or snap behavior is and make something a little bit more flexible and different to do it differently than what our first reaction is. Mm-hmm. So that and I think it, Yeah. And I think it's a realization in that too, that parents parent differently, that not all experiences are the same, you know, cause I would say that I'm pretty laid back as a parent. <laughs> and so to, for me then to have that reaction, I was like, Oh, <laughs> and then for, for, you know, I remember being very, being, being very thoughtful about that in the moment which it is hard to do sometimes, but it was a different situation. I wasn't triggered. I wasn't, it was just an automatic reaction. Oh, they're in the trees. I need to go over and, Oh, are you allowed to be in the trees or is it okay for you to be in the trees? Um, and so I, I remember thinking, you know, this is something I really need to, to think on and being surprised about it. Yeah. (laughs) And it's still with me. I mean, that's like 10 years ago. Yeah. It's so funny that it stuck with you because I, I got that, the whole tree climbing thing was a big deal for me. And I read it in a book, just, oh man, discovering a child's inner wildness or something is this book. And there was a school and, you know, schools are notorious for safety, right. And making right. everybody no kickball, no tag, no running, you know, everybody don't want anybody to fall down and get hurt. And there was this school that really believed in the idea of challenge and like letting kids ex- experience and learn and grow by experiencing experimenting and trying new things. And so they allowed kids at their school to climb trees. The rule was though, you weren't allowed to help other people climb trees. So there was only one rule about climbing trees. It was just that you weren't allowed to help other people. And the rationale was that if you can climb the tree by yourself without help, then you have the dexterity, you have the strength, you have the ability to climb the tree, be there safely and get out of it safely. But if you need help, then you're not quite there yet. You need to work on it and practice it. And so, I mean, we have our kids to this day will say, well, we don't help people climb trees <laughs> because that's the language that we would use. We would say, and we, you know, it was because we happened to have this little tiny tree in our front yard that was right. very climbable. Right? right. But I mean, our kids have memories of the neighbor kids coming over and they'd be like, hey, help me get up in this tree. They'd say it to me. And I'd say, oh, we don't help people climb trees. You can <laughs> climb it. If you can climb it on your own, you can do it. And so probably maybe a little bit unusual in my approach to that. But I, I, it was, again, sort of my hope to create in them this sense of success. And I can do it and I'm strong while also keeping them safe that, okay, if you can climb it on your own, then probably you're, it's safe enough for you to do it. Well, it's, so, inter- anyway. it's interesting that that was a purposeful decision that you made. And, and I had a reaction to it. So that <laughs> probably means that uh, we didn't do a lot of creek climbing of the trees. <laughs> yeah. Because if you had to be purposeful about it, then it means yeah. that you were putting it in something different into action than what you would normally have done. Correct. Yeah. There weren't a lot of trees to climb in Iowa, so <laughs> oh, right. Maybe stalks, I just don't think we were we were exposed to the tree climbing. <laughs> right. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting, it's it's very interesting. You know, I, I think that um, 
we give these hidden messages to our kids by the way that we behave and respond to things. And I think, you know, it goes back to, again, looking at our own behavior as opposed to expecting other people to change. And that's classic counseling 101 is that you can't control anyone else's behavior but your own. Okay. And that includes your kids. And so um, the more we try to control them or the more we try to get them to do something, the, the harder it's going to be to do. And so really the change happens in changing your own dance and changing your own steps because when you change your steps then they will also be responding or changing up their pattern and how they do who how they do it differently so I, I like it when I give I'm able to give my kids when I'm able to pause and I'm able to give my kids a different reaction than what they expected. <laughs> so if they expect that I'm going to go, you know, um, have a have a big you know reaction to something and I don't. I can kind of see them take a step back and be like, well, huh. that's not what I that's that was <laughs> not what I expected from you, mom. <laughs> yeah. And with my older daughter, I'm able to have even have some of those conversations now, you know, where it's like, yeah, I didn't expect you to do that. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I really had to think that one through because I wanted to react on that. But I chose I chose a different way because I wanted to see what you would I wanted to I didn't want it to go in the direction that it would be negative. Right. But, you know, that's a very high function. That's a high level of reflection. You know, and so if people are new to reflection or new to that idea, you know, I think it's just taking stock of of just your reactions, just noticing, you know, paying attention, being attuned to yourself and being mindful of, of what's going on in, in those situations that seem to always end up in a big blow up, you know, yeah. or in a negative situation. Yeah. So, so, I mean, basically kind of what we've shifted to now here in this conversation is yeah. from identifying and really being aware as the first step almost of what our buttons are. Right. And so yeah. reflection is the word that you're talking about. So what yeah. if somebody identifies, okay, man, every single time this happens, I'm becoming aware that I do this or I right. respond in this way. The emotion builds up inside of me and I have a really hard time controlling myself when that happens. What, I'm wondering what, what do people do? How do we, how does someone help themselves to respond differently? Reflection, obviously awareness. Um, we've talked a little bit about getting in our own counseling, but are there, are there other things, you know, that um, people can I, I think, I think, okay. So we know that we're going to behave in a certain way when this comes up. And so I think coming up with a plan of how you're going to behave differently. So you're coping, Right. That's what you talked about. We're coping. And so it's not that we're being bad people. We're just coping with our anxiety and our fears. And so that's how we've learned to cope. And so in order to cope differently, we have to have a different plan. So when this happens again, this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm not going to respond. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm not so sure about that. I'll get back to you on that. And maybe you take a step out and you take a breath, you know, or you, or you leave the room or, you know what, I don't know that I can give you the the response that you want right now. Let's get back to that. Um, and then, you know, process through that, um, situation or find somebody that you can talk to or, you know, a spouse or, you know, something like that. Like, okay, I'm going bananas here. (laughs) What, what can I do differently? Even that reaction, you know, with your kids is going to, they're going to, is a different reaction. Yeah. And so your kids might be like, Oh yeah. Maybe I need to take a step in that direction too. Mm -hmm. 
So being planful, being purposeful, because that's kind of what you were even saying that you did with the tree, right? You know, you, you purposely decided this is how I want to handle this, you know, with my kids. And I want to, to give them more, you know, opportunity to challenge and, and whatnot. And so the same set is, is true for when we're trying to change our coping skills, when we're trying to change our behavior, yeah. we have to be, we have to have a list. <laughs> we have to have a plan of, of what we're going to do. Yeah. Well, I like that. So that idea of, you know, really like if, if it's the same button getting pushed over and over right. and you've kind of now recognized it and you said, oh, yeah. and every time this happens, then you can trust that it's going to happen again. Yeah. And so then the idea of coming up for a plan for it would be really helpful. Okay. Next time this happens, I know what it feels like in my body when it happens. Mm-hmm. I know what the emotions are that come up for me when it happens so I can recognize it. And then, okay, when the, when those signals, those red flags go off for me, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I, I also like what you said about how, man, your kids are going to notice that you did it differently. And even just that different dance step is going to change their reaction as well. And so I think it's a really great way to diffuse mm-hmm. what, what usually probably turns into sort of an ever escalating sort of a stair step up to something until it really, really might get pretty big, powerful, just doing that one different thing of maybe even just taking a couple of minutes, taking some time to think can totally diffuse that situation and create a new dance because the kid's child or the partner in that situation is going to respond differently too. Right. Right. And I think that it, I think, I think that the more that you can practice that recognizing that's not going to go perfectly the first time, you know, you you can't just, you know, be like, Oh, well that didn't work. No, this is a, this is a pattern of behavior, a pattern of coping that you have done over and over and over again, that's lended itself to this particular situation. So you have to practice this over and over and over again. And it might be that you practice it when it's not heated. Oh yeah. You know, that you, you, you do it in times of, you know, of, of, of no reaction. Um, you do it in, or you let them know this is, you know what, this is not going well. This is, you know, I, I really, you know, want to try to do this differently with you. And, um, so we're, we're probably going to have something like this come up again. So I want you to know that I'm going to try this and, you know, I'd like you to try that. And, um, you know, let's see what happens. Let's see how it works. Um, and get into a partnership around it so that you're working together on it to, to try to manage it. Um, and, and I think that shows that you are taking responsibility for your own behavior and you're not trying to control or, um, project your own stuff onto them. And so it just opens that dialogue up in a way that maybe it wasn't there before. Yeah. Behavior is purposeful. If we believe that, then we look to, okay, what purpose is this behavior serving and what can I do differently to still get my needs met in that? And I mean, that's very, again, reflective and very, um, and so sometimes that's where therapy is needed to help with that or, um, a trusted spouse or, you know, some, someone else that you can be like, okay, what is this reflection thing? What can I do about this? It's, it's just, paying attention and being mindful of, you know, what, what's going on for you. Like you said, 
what's going on in my body? What do I feel in my hands? I mean, those are things, those are skills, you know, being able to identify your feelings, being able to identify, you know, what's happening internally. Once you can do that too, then you can also identify what are things that I can do to bring that distress down? You know, so like when I start to get anxious or I start to feel myself stomach, you know, okay, that's a first sign for me that this anxiety is coming from me. What can I do? You know, I mean, to try to deal with that, maybe I got to change what I'm doing, like, you know, completely do something else. Maybe I need to, um, write something out, but not send it. You know, I, that helps me a lot. Sometimes, you know, I get into these texting discussions, <laughs> you know, with the children and, uh, you know, I might text something out, but not send it, let it sit there for a while. And then, and then it, that, that I get it out. But then I'm like, do I really need to put that on then? Maybe not. You know, maybe there's another way that I can say that. And this is with older kids, you know, that that will be less me preaching at them or me pushing them into a certain way, but me expressing my feelings. This is how I feel. You know, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, or because um, as parents, we still want to help our children go the right direction and make the right choices. Um, but we can do that in a way that doesn't overpower them so that they can still feel that they're making a, an individual choice. And with that comes competence and confidence too. In making decisions. In making decisions, yeah. you know, yeah. this, you know, cause that's the dance often like, this is my life. You don't have, you know, you, that whole value discussion that we had, yeah. You know, um, taking your position of this is, you know, how I feel. This is, you know, my feelings on the topic and subject. And um, I just want you to consider, you know, these 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 things and really think through that. And I trust you to think through that. Um, but that's that's another, you know, potential way of dealing with some of those those situations in a less. um difficult. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, if I were to summarize this conversation, um, as we kind of come to the end of our time here, it's really about identifying the buttons, the things that happen over and over and really getting to know, uh, personally what those buttons are reflecting on those buttons and really becoming more aware of, okay, what, why is this a, a, bothersome thing for me? What is it about this situation or this thing that's happening over and over that really sets me off? And then continuing to come up with a plan so that the next time it happens, I have a plan for behaving differently because that different way of behaving changes the whole dance and allows for a new dance to start to emerge and a new way of uh, relating with the other person in that dyad coming through. Does that seem to summarize our conversation? Yeah. And as you were describing that, it really became, it, it really stood out to me that, you know, when we're going into therapy or something, we always come up with plans for our kids, <laughs> you know, well, this is what they need to do, or this is what, how the kid needs to do it differently. Or we need to, to make sure that the child has this or that, but really what we're saying is you also need to take a plan, get a plan for yourself, yeah. you know, and, and that, that could be some of the most influence, I mean, you can influence the situation immediately when we, when we as the parents or as the other spouse 
make a change in our behavior. And I don't think we're always so focused on that because we're always so focused on changing other people's behavior or, well, this is a behavior that's a problem. He's cussing at me. You know, how do you make it stop doctor? Or how do you, how do you make this change? And it's like, well, let's talk about that. Let's look at, let's look at what we can do to help you respond to it differently. Cause that's the only person we can change. Right. For sure. So really taking not probably in many situations, looking at, you know, the child's behavior and how we could help them, but also really first looking at ourselves because as you're saying, parents have incredible influence. Um, and when we change our own behaviors, it changes the dance. Yeah. Cause behavior is purposeful. And so the, the behavior didn't just come out of the, out of the sky. Yeah. You know, there, there's, there's reasons for it. And it's not, and so it's, it's twofold. It's looking at the child, but it's also not forgetting to look at ourselves. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, awesome. Thank you so much again for our, uh, this opportunity to discuss these things together. It's good fun. Yes. Uh, and uh, I will see you next time. Okay. Thanks a lot, Mark. Thank you for listening to the Connected Family Podcast. We're dedicated to helping you build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. If you'd like to continue the conversation about what to do when your buttons get pushed, please join our Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash the Connected Family Podcast. This group consists of additional resources, discussion regarding episode topics, and support for building a connected family. You can also follow us on Instagram at Connections Family Counseling or our website at connectionsquincy.com.